if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 183. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanran join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's Ryder Cup from Whistling Straits. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, and I know that you guys do, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models. All available completely free of charge with no paywall. We have got a Ryder Cup predictor model there and ready to be used. And for the first time ever, due to Paul's amazing work we're including strokes gained in that predictor model over the last six months so well worth playing with please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show we're available on twitter paul is at at golf betting i'm at bamford golf barry is at a good talk golf you can join our golf betting system facebook group the link is available in the description box plus look out for the steve bamford golf youtube channel now you guys, as listeners, power the podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. As we state week in and week out, please keep the five-star reviews coming. It's so important for the podcast. Right. I'll read you this one. Top golf chat and tips, five stars. If you bet on golf, you need to listen to this podcast, exclamation mark. Great knowledge and understanding of the game and betting on it. I listen every week without fail. P.S. Steve, I know you've had a lot of bad luck this season, but chin up, you will have a better season next year. And that is from Bob in Fife in Scotland. Bob, I think I might recruit you as kind of my mental coach ongoing, Bob. <laughs> So uh, can you yeah. DM me? Spread some positivity. You, you can charge me. You can charge me some money every week just to 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 get me on that positive mental note moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Last week was another case in point, I suppose, wasn't it? Great segue. Mm. I had second and third last week. I had Horshaw the week before. I've had Deschambeau losing a six-hole playoff. Second, and of course we had Kevin Kisner, Barry, and I in that amazing. So yeah, it's twos and it's like everything, isn't it? Good, good, good and bad. I was quite impressed actually um, with McNeely last week. I thought he played quite well. Yeah, he's yeah. he's definitely, definitely a short score course specialist. Seven seven thousand seven one hundred yards, seven two max on a seventy two. That's exactly where he's at. Longer clubs struggles. But something, because he's improved his driving of late, um, hitting a lot more fairways, hitting it further as well. So his strokes going off the tee numbers are improving year on year. 
I think he will win, and clearly he, um, California kid, loves Stanford kid, uh, loves playing on Poana. I think he's got a win in, win in him, McNeely. And I listened to Max Homer's interview after he won, now, he, now that he's a three-time PGA Tour champion. And to be fair, there's three decent titles there. He's won at Quail Hollow, he's won at Riviera, and now he's won around Silverado. You know, tree-line golf courses, all three of those, classical in their format. Slightly different in length, being Silverado a lot shorter than the previous two. But he's a, he's a cracking player, Homer, when I don't back him. Yeah. As soon as I back him, it's brown trousers. So yeah. uh, that, that's one that's one to bear in mind. But he said, he said about McNeely, because he's played a lot of university golf with him, McNeely, once he actually gets a win, is going to be a regular PGA Tour winner. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's kind of he's not the sexiest of picks, is he? When you you look at the the name in the context of the the uh, the, the entry list and trying to decipher who's gonna gonna get there, but uh, he had a real real chance, didn't he? As as did uh, Mito Pereira, who you were also on. Mito Pereira, he's a good player. That Mito Pereira. Yeah. I remember reading an interview with Joaquin Neiman, and Neiman looked up to Pereira because he's a few years younger. And he mentioned in this um, interview that Pereira was a better player than he was, and he, you know, he did it in a laughy, jokey way. But it makes you wonder mm. uh, that Pereira as well. Clearly, three Corn Ferry wins in eighteen months. He's not scared of actually getting over the finish line. Yeah, I think both Pereira and McNeely though are going to be well marked in terms of their odds moving forward. Yeah, well, and this this stretch for the rest of this year as well, because the fields won't be the strongest either, will they? No. So, so yeah, the prices aren't going to be. I mean, you got you got a couple of juicy prices last week for each way places on those guys, but I guess that was John Rahm propping the uh, market up to a, to a large degree. Um, you're not going to get that each and every week in this uh, the back end of the year. Um, unlucky for you, Barry, as well, because you're you're on. Um, that's uh, Marcus Heligilt. Is it? Come on, get it wrong. Yeah, something like that. But uh, he was right in the mix, yeah. Barry, wasn't he? And uh, you know, you know, until such point as uh, as the lead was so far away from him that he couldn't get there. But uh, I thought you still snare an each way place, but it didn't quite happen, did it? No, no, got a good sweat until he just you know um, lost the ability to find a fairway, um, mm. but. Hey, listen. He's um, it, it'll hopefully serve him well. I mean, very talented guy. Um, so he'll uh, he'll feel a le- a little less uncomfortable the next time he gets up there. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. part of the learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, managed to snag home after um, a bet going into round four. Saw him have a hot round on um, Saturday, and he'd mm-hmm. said on his um, podcast with Bacon. Um, not too far in advance of the tournament that, you know, he was hitting the ball great, but just couldn't, uh, couldn't put it at all. And when mm. I saw him put well on Saturday, I went, Oh, that's interesting. Two shots behind and he was nine to one. So I grabbed a mm. bit of that and, uh, yeah, it was nice to wake up on, um, yesterday morning to see the win. Yeah. Very nice. He's, indeed. He said that, uh, he's working hard to, on the mental side to, to prove to himself that he belongs with the elite players. And you got to that, as we said, he, he does win big tournaments on on big boy golf courses. So one to watch home. It's it's the mental side with him, isn't it? I picked mm. him for the BMW when he was on the bubble. Yeah, and um, you know there was a lot of pressure on him, and you know seventy nine first round. But yeah, clearly a talented sort homer. 
uh, could be one that uh, challenges for the President's Cup for the Americans uh, next time around. Like, let's talk Ryder Cup. We've got a tight schedule. Uh, Whistling Straits Golf Course. It's the Straits Course. Cola, Wisconsin. Pete Dye Design, 1998. Um, Coastal Golf Course on Lake Michigan. Um, which is the largest lake by area in one single country. There you go. That's some good information for you. One for the pub quiz. One for the pub quiz. Does whip up, you know, it's effectively, you know, a lake as such as an internal sea, isn't it? So I think weather will be a factor this week. Um, They've shortened the course. It's going to play as a 7,390-yard par 71, where in the PGA Championship... It was playing closer to 7,500. In fact, it was over 7,500 yards and a 72. Uh, the 11th is the hole that they've changed the most. That played as a 563-yard par 5 at the 2015 PGA Championship, won by Jason Day. This week will play as a 513-yard par 4. So they've knocked over 100 yards off the course that they played in 2015. And remember, this course can tip out, as they did on the Low Lane Up podcast with Soli, at 7,800 yards. So somebody somewhere, it's up for conjecture. I mean, I've heard interviews, well, with Kerry Haig, the competitions director at the PGA of America, who sets this course up. And I've heard an interview with him a few weeks ago saying, well, some captains just let me set it up and others drag me into a room <laughs> and give me a 38-sheet memo with whole maps of exactly how they want the course set up. Mm. So we don't know where Steve Stricker will stand in that scenario. But there's a definite move there to shorten this course. Um, I'm also looking at you know the, the the stuff that's coming in on Twitter from the course, and I know um, there's been various photos. The rough looks negligible. <laughs> yeah. You're being polite there, Steve, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're doing exactly what we thought. That to me, what they're doing is they're turning this even more into a bombers golf course with the widest fairways they can, the, uh, the landing areas in the widest strips. They're also Setting it up so some of these par fours are going to be dr- close to, or if not drivable, for their bigger hitters. Yeah, and it, it should be risk reward, shouldn't it? The, you know, the Ryder Cup yeah, should, should be set up yeah. in such a way that there are exciting holes, and there there are holes that encourage a an aggressive play. So, um, if the way that it's set up does encourage that, then that's that's the right thing to do. But yes, you'd imagine there's still some bias towards the US team in terms of the setup, and, and certainly from the pictures and the videos I've seen, it does look like the uh, the rough, as you just described, is is very sparse compared to what it could be. What do you think, Baron? What are your thoughts? As expected. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no, no surprise there. Um... Yeah, you know, the Americans will bank on the you know, I suppose a perceived. Uh, I have to dig into it, but a perceived birdie advantage. Um, the course is you know, it's it is quite a wide course. It, it should it should be playing um, 
a bit more linksy, but by all accounts, it's quite soft, which will, you know, very much uh, analogous to PGA Tour Weekly. Um, I guess the 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 factor that we need to be watching over the next couple of days as we approach Friday is the weather. Um, that's going to be have a big effect on how that golf course plays and how certain holes play. Um, if there's um, a decent bit of wind blowing. Just to qualify the rough length, on the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, now that's a mouthful fact sheet that uh, gets sent to me weekly very kindly um, by Mike Strauss, they are quoting this rough as two and a half to four inches. Um, for the PGA, it was up to six. So, yeah, it's a lot, lot shorter. Now, forecast, Barry, absolutely. And I don't hear... I was a bit low on the Ryder Cup starting the week, but I've got to say, I'm, I'm a bit more pumped for it after listening to various podcasts, watching Pat Mayo's show, and let's get, you know, it's exciting stuff. But no one seems to be me- mentioning the potential weather this week. So let, let's just quickly run through it. Um, I wish they were playing on Thursday, to be honest. It's gusting up to 30 miles an hour all day. Um, and it's only it's only up to 17 degrees Celsius. Anyway, Friday starts calm in the morning for the you know for the Ferrari on Friday morning, but then by 10 o'clock it's gusting 20. By one o'clock for the afternoon end of the morning session, it's up to 25 mile an hour, and those gusting winds continue right through to four five o'clock, 25 miles an hour from the southwest. The um, highest temperature is 23 degrees Celsius. I'm getting this off Windfinder, by the way. Uh, the closest weather station that I can find, which is Sheboygan North Avenue. Saturday, again, another breezy day. The, the wind looks like it's moving more to the west. Starts from the morning tea times. Um, 20 mile an hour gusts straight away. And 10 degrees Celsius. <laughs> There's going to be a few bobble hats in play. Bobble Some hat snoops. county. Yeah, bobble hats away. 22, uh, gusting 22 miles an hour at 10 o'clock. And then by 1 o'clock, it's gusting 30 miles an hour. Mm. The warmest it gets is 17 degrees Celsius. Interesting conversation, I think, over the weather. And then Sunday... It seems to calm down completely. So I've got some thoughts thoughts on what might happen. But um, Sunday, yeah, it's just going to be an absolute birdie fest by the looks of it. But Friday and Saturday look tough. Yeah, and it, it, given how you've described it, it certainly sounds more European than US in terms of the... Uh, in terms of the conditions, which it was always going to be the risk at this kind of time of the year and... Um, it's uh, you know, it it does suggest that um, it may not necessarily be the kind of walkover that seems to be uh, seems to be being touted for the US team um, from from most quarters this week. I went on Andy Lack's podcast yesterday, uh, did a recording with him, and he said to me the only thing that Steve Stricker could not control mm. was the weather. Yeah, and he said that um, it clearly favours the Europeans for the first yeah. two days. Yeah. Now, I know, I, you know, so that, that to me 
is a bit of an equaliser. So who does the Friday, Saturday weather forecast favour is my first question to you guys. And for me, definitely Friday and Saturday is more of a European day for me. You yeah, agree, I'll... Barry? Yeah. Yeah. I straight, 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 straightforward, yeah. There's, there's wind, lower temperatures. That's Europe to me. Mm. Although there are some good wind players, good coastal players in that US team. I mean, DJ's got a great record in the wind um, and a great record by the coast as well. Speed can play a bit of wind. You know, it's not, but not a great record in the Ryder Cup. So oh no, no, no merge no. those two. Yeah, but then we're, we're looking at uh, Ryder Cups that have generally been dominated by the Europeans over the, the recent past, at least where where these guys that um, are playing this year have featured. So, so yes, their their results are um, do look relatively poor. I must say. You two know how ainly retentive I am, mm. but this is the kind of information I think the listeners like. I have taken our predictor model wind tab and just looked at it from this Ryder Cup perspective and just looked at it. 24 players, where do they rank? Number one, in the whole of our five-year wind variable on our predictor model is Dustin Johnson. 40 points scored. I then have to move down to 10th place for three players who got 28 points each. Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau and Brooks Kepka. I then moved down to 18th spot overall. Harris English at 26. Then 23rd overall, Ian Poulter, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, all on 25 points. I won't go through the whole list. But yes, those are guys that statistically, where I track all of the, you know, the wind rounds above 20 miles an hour, blah, blah, blah. Those are the best win players in this field. 28th in the overall ranking is Justin Thomas on 24 points. Mm. Yeah, I know there will be a, a, a level of uh, US bias to that, although a lot of these guys play over... I saw PJ Tour, yeah. Yeah, a lot of these guys play over in the PJ Tour anyway, so it's you know it's not that massively biased, but there will be um, an element to that. And some, some of the guys, some of the younger guys won't have played as many events. But yeah, even so, the um, you know as I say, the, the likes of DJ... Um, Tony Finau plays well by the by the coast, doesn't he? Um, got a bit of a springy well, step yet. recently. He's ranked with Deschambeau and Kepka, tenth mm. on the on the win model. Yeah, below Charlie Hoffman. Yeah, Charlie. We've always said Charlie Hoffman, great win player. But um, yes, just a, just an angle there, just an angle. I, I definitely think that this this weather forecast, the cold, the wind, is going to favour the Europeans over the first session. Next question. Who wins the Ryder Cup? <laughs> Over to you two. Oh dear. I, I don't think... It, you know, I've, I've seen um, predictions in the kind of 17, 11, 16, 12 to the US team kind of bracket. Um, I don't think it's ever going to be as straightforward as that. I think it's going to be far closer. I think it could be a point either way. Um, and I wouldn't be remotely surprised to see the Europeans win. Um, you know, if, if if you were pinning me down for a for a number, um, fifteen, thirteen, the Europeans, I think I'd go for. Um, I'm I'm not a big um, better of the uh, the correct score market in this um, in the Ryder Cup because I think there are so many vagaries to it, um, particularly as you get into the back end of Sunday and. Uh, 
you know, half a point either way for concessions or whatever could could impact you, you know, make you your winning better mm-hmm. loser. But um, but yeah, I think it'd be tight. Um, for me, I think that the European teams more cohesive. I think the European teams um, more of a unit. Um, it's far more experienced. That much is clear from the uh, the stats that we've published on the on the website this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's got to be a factor. You factor in the the kind of intangible elements. Um, uh, well, yeah, the more tangible, I suppose, is, is the uh, the weather as you've just said, just described. And you know, you could find a scenario where you get into Sunday and the European team are um, ahead. And if they're if they're significantly enough ahead going into the singles, then uh, then what's to stop them? Uh, what's to stop them converting? Here's an interesting statistic for 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 you guys and listeners. America hold a 17-4 record at home in the Ryder Cup. But across the past eight US-hosted Ryder Cups, it's USA 4, Europe 4. Hmm. Hmm. Does home advantage really... Is it really going to be that much of a massive factor this time? You know, yes, you're gonna have the, the the crowds and the support. I understand that element. Um, if the course and the conditions aren't, um, you know, atypically American, is that going to be a, an issue? And also the fact that a lot of these guys play over US on the PGA Tour anyway. It's um, I'm not sure it's quite as polarized as it may have been in the past. Personally. There only seemed to be five players flying over from Heathrow yesterday. I know that. So the other seven were already out there because clearly they're based in the United yeah, States. Yeah, exactly. a lot of them got homes over there. A lot of them play you know, full time on the PGA Tour, and uh, yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure they'd see it as a you know an away fixture in that respect. Just for the format as well, because another thing I that's on various podcasts because clearly a lot of it was being produced yesterday Monday, the format. Friday starts with foursomes alternate shot. We then move on to uh, four, uh, four ball, better ball. That format is then repeated on Saturday. So foursome alternate shot in the morning, four ball, better ball in the afternoon. And of course, Sunday we move on to the singles. Mm. Barry, who wins the Ryder Cup? I'm I'm going with Europe. I've backed them. I got so them at I. Uh, yeah. I took them at nine to four. Uh, I see they're back. They're into about two to one now. Mm. But in a head in a head to head where all the stats say you know sorry all the results of the Ryder Cup say that Europe are a lot better um, in the results than they are on paper going into the tournament um, or into the event. I couldn't resist it. Uh, you know, match that up with the. The weather, um, yeah. That was a key part for you and I, wasn't it? Because we had this discussion yeah. Saturday morning, didn't we? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we, we saw it. that original forecast and, it, you know, it, it's not tranquil. It's cold. It's windy. Let's hope it materialises. Forecasts do have a habit of changing, but I will say I always use Windfinder and I always find it accurate. So... It's been saying the same thing now for a period of time or four days. It's only getting more detailed and closer, and the detail, it's just not really changing at all. It's just it might... 
be slight. The wind might pick up slightly more in the uh, over the late morning rather than the early morning, which was the forecast I was seeing yesterday. But it, on Friday, it just does look like wind and quite strong wind is going to be a factor over those first two days, and it will be cold. It just doesn't feel the the, the right typical American weather that they would like, which would be thirty five degrees, terrible humidity. And with no wind, where they can just bang it 360 down the fairway and it's bombs away. Yeah. And going back to the price there, two to one or thereabouts, if the European team win the first session, let's say 3-1. Yeah. That price, the, the whole market will probably flip entirely on its head. Yeah. And certainly the European team will be favourite at that point. And certainly won't be two to one against to, to, to be winning the, winning the Ryder Cup. And uh, yeah, the, the first session, yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not going to dictate how it eventually pans out, but it's going to give us a certain indication of who's playing well, um, so who's got some momentum, which which, which partnerships may continue into the afternoon because they've uh, either surprised or they've been particularly impressive. Um, getting off to a good start like that could be, um, you know, you could see those odds flip very very quickly from from where they started. So. So yeah, as Barry, to Barry's point, a two-horse race that doesn't feel... Um, it, it just feels a little bit out of kilter, I think. I also, I think- I, just to save myself, I've backed the draw as well. Just a small bet, just just to cover that off yeah. in case. It, it, and it, if, if, the, if the... Look, I'm not, I'm not staking enormous money. Um, you know, the, the entertainment is there. So if the bets lose, so be it the US win. Like, mm. what, you know. You know, it's... It's it's not something we'll live and die by. Oh, I think all we ever we ever really want out of a Ryder Cup is um, drama and entertainment. And you know, a couple of years down the line, I'm not going to be, you know, worried about who wins. And um, just it'll be memorable. Just that it's memorable. That's really all we ever want out of a Ryder Cup, or all that I ever want out of a Ryder Cup. Yeah. I took three point three five on Saturday morning on Betfair Exchange, even with the dimmest hope that it would be tradable. And as Paul said, all it needs is a good start from the Europeans or at some point a surge from the on the scoreboard from you know blue surge. Mm-hmm. And that that price becomes a situation where you you know in play you could see American actually go America going above evens. Mm. And then all of a sudden of course you can just trade it through. I would not be surprised personally, and this is kind of what I'm I'm thinking. I would not be surprised at all to see the Europeans leading going into Sunday. No, no, no. That will make it interesting. That, that would then concern me with the forecast, <laughs> which is going to be very calm, very twank, tranquil, and does shout Americans win the the singles. Yeah, there you go. It could, you know, it could, it could end up very, very tight, and you know. The draw or a point either side could be uh, could be where we end up on it. It just doesn't. I, feel so like I, I have backed Europe. I've backed Europe to trade, which I know is something that you two don't like to do. And I sneakily think that the Americans potentially could come from behind and just snatch it on Sunday, mm. but it's going to be tight. It's nowhere near. The domination that the odds suggest it's going to be this kind of tide of American just dominating throughout, and Europe just picking up scrappy halves and 
the odd point here or there. I, I just don't see that with that weather forecast. No. No, I mean, world rankings be damned. You're in head-to-head matches, and you know, it's these golfers are they're all really good players, you know. So yeah. it's it's just knock on. I just you've only watch. got to look at the world match play, haven't you, Barry? And what happens year after year at the world match play? Yeah, I just don't see a runaway whitewash either way or to either side. No. Right. Okay. So there are our thoughts. We we definitely think as a threesome. That could come across, you know, we won't go down the road. We definitely think as a trio that the value side is on, on Europe, on the overall match bet, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Right, okay. Now, what you do get at the Ryder Cup, and I, I do agree with you, Paul, it never overly um, excites me as a betting event. You know, I'm far more into chasing winners in 156-man tournaments and then finishing second. So that's kind of my jam. But you do get some good props. Yeah. And um, key, there's some key markets, of course, point scorer markets. So you get a top combined point scorer market. All 24 players are backable. Of course, you can also back a top point scorer for America, top point scorer for... Uh, Europe, and of course, you've got wild card markets, you've got rookie markets. There are various different sides and prop bets available. I just thought we would kind of go into those slightly. I'll write, I'll read you through some history. Now, since 2012, these are top point scorer results. 2012, Medina, the miracle, Ian Poulter was top point scorer in the combined market. He was also top European point scorer. 2014 was Justin Rose, top point scorer combined. Second place that in that market, uh, I think Rose got four points. Second place was Patrick Reed. He was a rookie and he was 66 to 1. Now, my understanding, Paul, is that you get four places each way. I caught the odds this week on the top combined scorer markets across pretty much all the bookmakers. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some consistency. Some of the sub-markets have got some... Um, Three, some, yeah. ...some different, um, different terms, so do double-check. Um, they're short markets, aren't they? So if you prefer to have um, you know, additional places and... Uh, and, and different terms. Boyle Sports are going five places, a fifth of the odds on the uh, the combined market. So they are you, okay. Yeah, That's so interesting want, to know. If you want that extra place, but you're you're happy to take a fifth rather than a quarter, then then there is mm-hmm. the option there. And broadly, they're the same prices as the rest of the firms who are going four and a quarter. So yeah, it depends whichever way you you choose to play it. But, but having five out of um, the twenty four man field is a yeah, it's, it's a it's a good proportion, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, play how you see fit. So, so far, we've had Poulter. We've, I could get up in the loft and go through all of my paperwork and find out what his price was. I would assume that Poulter was probably a 20, 25 to 1 yeah, shot to win top like combined. Yeah. 2016, in a losing side, Thomas Peters was top point scorer at 50 to 1. Mm. Second place was Patrick Reed, 14 to 1. Thomas Peters was another rookie. So, so far, uh, we've all, Poulter, Rose and Peters were top European point scorer. And 2018, Francesco Molinari, of course, 
he was a 22 to 1 chance to be top point scorer. He, of course, was five points from five matches. In second place was Tommy Fleetwood, another 22 to 1 chance. And Justin Thomas, who was a rookie and 12 to 1. Uh, Fleetwood was also a rookie. So 12 to 1, 50 to 1, and 22 to 1. We all can also throw in Poulter at plus 20 to 1, have won the top combined point scorer market the last four renewals. Mm. I don't know about you guys, that, that to me doesn't doesn't really excite me in terms of, and I, you know, I say this every week about John Rahm, but it doesn't excite me when I'm seeing John Rahm being backed in at less than 7-1 to one with some firms to be top point scorer. But anyway, my question to you guys is, third question, for me, top point scorer, top European, top um, American point scorer, there has to be a logic in terms of players that are going to play all five matches. Because, of course, it's, you know, the more matches they play, the more chance they've got of winning points. Yeah. So who are, you, who are you guys targeting to play all five matches for Europe and for the USA? That's yeah, my question. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because you've got to try and second guess um, how the captains see this. You've got to second guess how the players um, start on on Friday, um, and um, mm-hmm. you know if they have a good first session. Does that convince the captain to keep them going? I mean, you've only got to look as far as the uh, the Mollywood p- partnership last time out at, at the Gulf National. Because um, mm. you know that that just flew from from minute one, and uh, they got all four matches, didn't they? Um, you know, hence the reason why Francesco could uh, t- to win five out of five in the end because he won his singles. Tommy lost, I think he he lost to Tony Finnell, I think, from memory. Um, but um, but yeah, those yeah. two guys were at the top of the um, top of the European list, first and second, and and, and Frankie was the uh, overall. But yeah, I going, looking back through, Frankie played five. Peters played five. He partnered with uh, Rory McIlroy, didn't he? Um, he did. And uh, they did well together. I think he didn't play the first match, which he lost, and then they banged him in with McElroy and they won all three yeah, of their next right, matches yeah, and he won the singles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he played five. Rose played five. It was only only Poulter who won four out of four back at Medina. Um, Medina. Medina, yep. Medina. Uh, who uh, who uh, he didn't play all of those. But yeah, back to your question. You know, Rory, I suspect he plays five. He played five last time. He played five. Um, in 2016 as well, yeah. Looking back at 2016, Rose Peters, Stenson, Garcia all played five as well from the European side. Only Fleetwood, Molinari and Rory from the 2018 played five. So you'd expect Reed, uh, sorry, Rory to play five. Um, Ram, you'd imagine that as the world number one, you're going to be hard-pressed not to include him in four, if not five of the matches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, down from there... Yeah, from there, I, I wonder how he's going to mix and match it. I and mean, some of the some of the guys who are seemingly out of form or kind of, you know, what's the what's the politically correct word to use it? You know, kind of lower tier Ryder Cup players, the burnt Wiesbergers. Are they going to get more than two matches? Is Wiesberger going to get three? I wouldn't be overly convinced. Uh, Till Hatton's out of form. You know, does he get more than two or three matches? I'm, I'm struggling with that. So. So yeah, I, I I get the feeling that some of the guys that he's brought in, some of the guys that he's brought in as wild cards, are going to be 
um, those who um, feature quite heavily. And you know, Sergio Garcia's record in the Ryder Cup full stop is fantastic, as we've seen. And yeah, if he, if he gets off to a flyer on on Friday, does he um, you know end up getting four, maybe even five matches? That's uh, you know. It depends who's partnered with us, mate. I think it's worth mentioning at this point that we have got a full suite of Ryder Cup statistics available at Golf Betting System mm. free of charge and, and some of the win percentages. I know a lot of uh, Garcia's wins were early doors, um, but even um, even in recent Ryder Cups, you know, the guy performs well. Let me just read you through. These are the, these are the, uh, the published media groups for Europe. We'll talk about the Americans afterwards. So these are the way that they're going to be interviewed in pods, effectively. Europe, McElroy, Hovland, Garcia, Westwood is pod one. Poulter, Lowry, Fleetwood, Wiesberger, two. And number three, Paul Casey, Fitzpatrick, Hatton and Rahm. And when we first saw those three, we all commented, I expect Paddy might be playing some games in there. <laughs> I think he may there's, well. there's a huge... There's, there seems to be two schools of thought. I mean, I'm of the school of thought that I would not be surprised to see John Rahm and Sergio Garcia partner together. Yeah. Um, there is also an anti-Garcia-Rahm view out there that Patrick said he doesn't like nationalities being paired together and that Rahm could be paired with someone like Hovland. I also think that Hovland is going to be forced to play five matches just because there are weak areas in the team. Yeah. I've got no idea who they partner Hovland with, though. Because, if to me, if you put Hovland with a Rory or put Hovland with a Ram, I suppose that is your guilt-edged team, isn't it, that's going out there to hunt wins consistently. But, you know, would it be better for Hovland to be linked to a... a I mean, he's in the same group as McElroy for a start. Would would they put Westwood and Hovland together? Would they put Hovland and Casey together? Casey's got tons of experience. I mean, these are the questions that you, I suppose the three of us don't know the answers to. But I think Hovland will play all five. Well, I have a, I have a feeling he could, yeah. It, well, I suppose it also depends how he kicks off in his first match. But I feel like that if, he, if Hovland plays well, I think he's a contender to play four, if not five matches. It feels yeah. like he's kind of yeah. coarse as well, doesn't it, Barry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful, long off the tee, straight, and a great ball striker. Yeah. Well, given given that um, Francesco Molinari is not here, and Fleetwood performed so well last time, and he's, yeah. he's coming into some form. You know, his last couple of results have been far, far improved over the over his form running into that. Potentially, what's who's the who's the who's the replacement for Francesco Molinari who could you know fulfil that same kind of role and partner. Tommy Fleetwood, you know, is it is it a Matt Fitzpatrick or is it a is it a, a, is it a Hovland, you know? And if they if that pairing puts to get gets put together on a on a Friday morning and again gets off to a flyer, is that another one that sticks through the duration of the uh, Friday Saturday? Um, just because Francesco Molinari is not there, I don't see that Fleetwood mm. would end up getting. You know, two or three matches simply because his uh, his partnerships disappeared. It's, you know, it, it's more a case of trying to find someone who who would fill that gap and um, you know get the same result potentially and, and get the same get the same upside out of Fleetwood's performances. Oh, interesting. interesting. Maybe 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 he needs somebody a bit more quiet, like a Bernd Fiesberger. 
You know, well, you could be the surprise yeah. ticket. Yeah, v- Wiesberger from tea to green, he's been fantastic. You know, say what you'd like about the, the fact that he doesn't feel like he's, you know, it, it's, it's the most, I don't know, experienced or most um, logical person to be in that team. He's there and, you know, he's, he's, he's mm. going to play. He's going to play some games. Um, would he um, fit inside, you know, alongside Fleetwood? Yeah, I, I think they'd complement each other. To you, know that I, you know that I keep my eight-week statistics. They cover European Tour, PJ mm. Tour, in terms of strokes gain. In in the 24 members of the teams, Bernd Wiesberger sits in fifth spot, strokes gain T to green in the last yeah. eight weeks. Oh, he's been, Not he's shocked. Been and he's also in the top eight, tied with John Rahm, strokes gain total over the last eight weeks. So this idea that Wies... Yeah, I mean, we weren't exactly you know, great supporters of him on, on the pod, but we we did say after Wentworth last week, you had to have a lot of respect for the guy and the fact that he was strokes gained tee to green, ranked second across the whole of Wentworth and putted at like, was it, 100 and something in the field? Something yeah. crazy. Mm. The guy is stri- you know, he is striking the ball on an elite level, Bernd Wiesberg. And this idea that he's going to get hidden away and might just play one match in a singles, I'm not such a subscriber, especially when you see Matthew Fitzpatrick struggling, Tyrrell mm-hmm. Patton struggling, Lee Westwood struggling. Yep. He needs to play players that are in form, and actually Wiesberger is in form. Yep. It, just de- it just depends on your first match. You know, if he, if he, if he hits the ground running... Off you go. Keep playing. Play him again. Roll him again. I mean, we saw Max Homer there last weekend. Was like ball striking was phenomenal. Found the putter. Off you go. And if Wiesberger, yeah. you know, rolls in one or two early on, gets that good feel and flow with the putter, then match that up to the way he's striking the ball. He 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 could easily get rolled out for three or four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, interesting one. You know, you got Shane Lowry as well. Does he get partnered with Rory McIlroy? Um, you know, it mm-hmm. seems to be some of the some of the words that are, you know some 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 of the narratives that have been pushed around. I can see that. Um, McIlroy has kind of been used to bring some of these um, guys into the uh, into the fold, hasn't he? He, he partnered Olsen and um, Olsen Olson at the Golf National for the first game. They lost it. But, yeah, so, you'd never have thought that, would you? No. Um, Thomas Peters, we talked about before. You know when they put the two of them together, and uh, that they absolutely hit the ground, didn't they? Three out of three, they won in, uh, in the, you know th- uh, Friday afternoon, Saturday, all the way through through the day. Yeah. So, um, how, how would you not be inspired if you were paired with Rory? Absolutely, <laughs> you're just, just going to be walking on cloud nine. <laughs> so looking at these these media groups, it would suggest Macquarie does get paired with Hovland, and it p- probably looks like Ram would get paired with Casey. Casey, Fitzpatrick and Hatton, and they might just say for Fitzpatrick and Hatton, sink or swim, get out there. If you perform, you get to stay on. If you don't, we'll potentially move yeah. you back 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 to a sort of spot that's not so frequently played. And do you know what? They, they might be in our, you know, putting them out in foursomes might be the way to test them both without... I know it's the same va- it's the same value as a four ball match, but it, it's not as maybe damaging to them or to the team psyche if they lose a foursomes mm-hmm. match versus a four ball match, even though they both end up being you know counting for a point. Yeah. The other thing is Barry, if that wind's howling on Friday, you've got to say that when when things turn to you know it gets tougher and tougher and tougher. Hatton and Fitzpatrick isn't a bad mm-hmm. pairing because they tend to no. le- go up leaderboards when the wind's blowing and the scoring. And we know with Tyrrell Hatton, he's a fantastic, you know, Lynx Championship player up at St Andrews, and you know he, he plays well by the coast. And Fitzpatrick, when when the 
conditions get tough and the scoring's high, he always levitates to the top of leaderboards. Yeah. Yeah, and Polt was another good win player. I mean, we've not even mentioned Polter yet, but you know, how many games is he going to get? You know, he's been brought into the team for a reason, hasn't he? He's not been he's not been brought in to be a bench warm up. He's going to be there to be, um, you know, a, t- a talisman. He's going to be there to be uh, a positive impact on the team and and, and a point winner. You know, again, in the past, he's been paired with Rory McIlroy for, you know, some of the um, some of the the, uh, the matches, um, not exclusively, but he's certainly been used. You know, again, is that potentially a, a kind of a mix and match for for Rory further down the line? Lots of ifs. Lots McElroy, of Hovland, Rahm. I think I think that he's going to look for someone to step up from that second tier. You know, a Mollywood Fleetwood from mm. the Gulf National. I think I think he's going to hang his hat on Casey as well, potentially. So of, of of those of those Europeans, I think Wiesberger might be a an interesting angle in as well because the guy is playing some fantastic golf, and I still think that the weather forecast, the course suits Shane Nary down to the ground. USA. Yeah. I think there's far, far less flexibility for Steve Stricker, and we all know why. But these are the these are the media groups, and I think that these groups shout from the rooftops who he's going to pair together. Spieth, JT, Bryson and Scheffler. Xander Cantley, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa. Then he's got the third group of Brooks Kepka, who I don't think plays five games whatsoever. I subscribe to um Jeff Feinberg was on uh, Pat Mayo's uh, show yesterday and he, he swears that Kepka will only play four balls. So he's only going to have to touch his ball for the, the three days. He'll play four balls, three matches yep. on his own ball, Kepka. He's in a group with Fina. I think that'll happen. Finau, Berger and English. Well, JT Spieth is pretty much a given, isn't it? You know, they've played together, they've performed well together in the past. Uh, Xander Cantlay's, um, you know, a, a popular choice and a popular um, opinion as to, as to that pairing. So, how they fit the other guys together, and again with six wild cards, it's not a case of bringing someone in just to just to be a bench warmer. These guys are going to be playing. You know, you'd expect them to be getting three matches. So. Um, other than the guys at the top, other than the JT Speed and potentially the, the Xander and the Cantlays, I can't see any of the others getting five matches. I think it's probably four or three max for those other guys. And then that may dictate how you play the uh, the top points markets on the back of that. You know, of course, the guys playing five have still got to win four or five to, to top those markets out. But um, you need to be playing them in the first place to actually get a chance to actually achieve those uh, achieve those points. 2019 President's Cup, DJ didn't play all five. He dropped out of the Saturday foursomes in the morning. I think Xander Cantlay, they're not, they're not going to touch that group, especially with Cantlay having the yeah. Midas touch at the moment. They played all the matches, as you said, Paul, at the President's Cup 2019. Spieth, JT, I think I see them as captains of, internal captains of um, the American team now that Mickelson and Woods have disappeared. Mm. I just find it intriguing that they've been lumped with Bryson and Scheffler. And I've got a gut feel on this, and it could be way off. I think in the first foursomes, he'll play Spieth, JT. I think he'll play Bryson and Scheffler. I think he'll play Xander Cantley, and he'll play DJ and Morikawa in the morning foursomes. And I, 
I don't know. I might be wrong. And a lot of the American view on this, I was talking with Andy about this on the podcast yesterday, and he kind of agreed with me. This idea that Bryson can't play four ball, who's he going to be buddied with? Well, they clearly, I think they'll buddy in with Scheffler, the rookie. And if you look at Scheffler, you know, God, rookie, I you look at the way the guys played this year. Eighth at the Open, seventh at the US Open, eighth at the PGA, and 18th at the Masters. That's incredible. Second at the WGC match play. Lost to Billy Horschel, didn't he, in the final. I think they'll play Bryson and Scheffler in the morning foursomes. And if that wins, I think they'll keep that team on. And I could see Bryson being a very good value bet this week in the top combined point scorer market. Because I think if Bryson gets going, I could even see him opening, you know, the opening shot of the Ryder Cup, and he's he's straying up there, and the and it's all going mad on the first tee, and he just bangs it three sixty, just unleashes. I might be totally wrong, but anyway. So you're you're, you're you're thinking then Bryson's going to end up playing five matches? Is that what I think he could. And if you if you actually look at Whistling Straits and you look at the golf course. It suits him perfectly. Just unleash off the tee. If you've got someone like Scheffler as well, you could play him four balls. Scheffler long and straight. Good short game. Both from Dallas. Scheffler, they'll say to Bryson, right, you look after Scotty, it's you two, you're going to be his team leader. I think they get on quite well. He's, you know, there's clearly players that he doesn't get on well with. Scotty will just, you know, he'll put up with Bryson. But they're both, I think, they've both grown up together. They know each other quite well. And do you know what? And Andy's mentioned this, and even Jeff and Pat were talking about this. They might even say at one point to Spieth and JT, you know, you need to split as a as a duo, and we'll we'll put one of. You. I mean, you imagine Spieth and Bryson as a as a foursome. His power and then Spieth's around the green and putting ability. I mean, there's various angles there. But anyway, one of my bets, I, I'm actually having a bet on Bryson DeChambeau, top point, a combined point score at 16 to 1. Because I genuinely think that this golf course is right up his street. And as we said, he's, he's, he's within, within this, these 24 players, he ranks in the predictor model wind um, variable joint second so it's not as if he can't play in windy conditions and actually over the last eight weeks he's ranks second for strokes gained tee to green and second for strokes gained total behind Patrick Cantlin so I just look at the prices on offer and 16 to 1 about DeChambeau especially in, in a top points com, uh, top combined point scorer market where we've had plus 20 to 1 12 to 1 51 and 22 to 1 I think DeChambeau's at the kind of right price price point. Mm. So I'm on DeChambeau. I'm just, uh, it won't be a big bet, but I just yeah. I value that bet. I think yeah, there's a little that, bit of value in it. it is, yeah. I, I must, it's quite a contrarian view, Steve, but those views can be, um, you know, that, that can this be, is it. It can be something that's. Uh... I'm going for the yin and yang. Most people are <laughs> yanging and I'm going to yin, and it'll probably turn to poo and he'll, he'll get hidden and play oh, two okay. games, and everyone will be hating on him when he plays. But I, do you know what? I could actually see it going completely the other way. And everyone becomes a Bryson fan. Oh, I could see the US fans going nuts for him this time round. Yeah. Like it's, like he can be a talisman, can't he, He could be a talisman for them. Patrick Reed has gone. He's not in this team. So if you're looking for a, a new Captain America, it could be Bryson DeChambeau if he's playing some great golf and winning matches. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can definitely, you could definitely picture that happening. The, the fans just beard up and embracing the, like, absolutely, the, the, I don't know, missiles he's launching at Greens. Bryson goes off in the first group of each, of, of each, um, four ball foot, and they make sure Kepka's in the last group. <laughs> Keep them two apart. Yeah. Anyway, I've I've gone on too long about it. What 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 kind of bet are you having? Any individual bets on top point score combined, or Europe, or America, or? Uh, yeah, personally, from the US side, the only players that I think I can, with any semblance of um, confidence, say are going to play five matches are Spieth and JT. Um, I the bet I like with Spieth um, is. 16 to 5 top US wildcard. Um, I think that's a good one. And if you were really concerned that that's, um, you know, the, the only other player who could potentially be a wildcard who plays five um, matches is Xander. Um, you could potentially dutch the pair of those. Xander's around 3 to 1. Uh, with speed, yeah, just over 3 to 1. So you could, you could dutch the pair of those guys and um, that will give you a, an even money return if either of them end up being the top um top point scorer for the US team um, from the European side uh, Sergio again top wild card 7-4 so you've got Lowry Poulter Sergio I get the feeling that Sergio is more likely to play four matches if not five yeah. but probably four than Lowry definitely Poulter. four um, Lowry I think he'll probably get three and um, Poulter three or four um, they're, they're all around seven to four My, out of the three I was just leaning towards Sergio, given his record in the Ryder Cup and the fact that actually he started to turn his form around at the back end of the year. He was putting. He he was sixth for great. Um, sixth for no, sixth at the BMW Championship. Fifth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll get there. Anyway. He got there in the end, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Like he Sergio, was, he, he got was there. Sixth at the BMW, and um, he gained five strokes putting at the BMW Championship, which um, was a revelation. That's like a thousand for Sergio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he's actually found some putting form as well. Um. So yeah, seven to four, Sergio for um top wild card for the European team if you split mm. those um, markets down a little bit further or go back to the um, overall point scorer markets for the US and for the Europeans uh, you're getting a quarter or a fifth of the odds for four places with Boyle Sports on both the top US and top uh, European markets there's only 12 players in each one so if you're getting four, um, four places for it um, for, for both of those markets, that's taken off a third of the whole the entire market. Um, in that particular market, Spieth is seven to one. Um, in the same market for the European, Sergio is ten to one with Boyles. So you could potentially double those two. Um, and I work out that if they both come in the top four of those markets, doubled, it'd be about a six to one return. If they both win their respective markets, that'd be eighty-seven to one. Mm. So that's Spieth, top US, and Sergio, top European, as a um, an each-way double, effectively. So yeah, that's kind of the way that I've, I've looked at it. Um, I don't tend to get massively involved in it, but um, no. th- those two players did pick or catch my eye from, the, from that bet perspective. So that's kind of how I'm playing it, I think. Barry, anything from you? Not, I mean, I can't. I'm very much in agreement with the the thoughts that you know have been shared here about who will play the most games. 
but yep. these things can all be torn up based on the, how people go out in the first match. Um, honestly, though, I mean, I kind of, you know, Bernd Fiesberger top rookie is 25 to 1 with uh, Boyle Sports. You know, all the stuff we've said about him and, you know, the, the stats you've. Um, you you you, uh, you had on him there, Steve. It's, yeah. it's not it's not ridiculous. That's three playing three places, one quarter of the odds of boils. Um, that feels like it could be an interesting one because you know he, I think Podrick will try get all the guys a taste of the action on day one. Um, that's my thoughts on it. And if he gets off well, then he could get rolled out on day two, and then he could have four matches. So. It's interesting. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of blending to be done with the US side with six rookies. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, absolutely feel, right. Feel yeah. that, I feel they might be spread out a bit. Um, yeah. Now, look, there's a couple of them are like absolute, you know, um, studs. Like you know, Cantley's been playing great, and if he's kept that form that he had a couple of weeks ago, you can easily see him get out there and play four games. So you're up against that, but hey, let's see what happens. This is why it's betting. <laughs> I think I think Cantley and Xander they're, they're not going to get split, are they? Un- unless they literally lose their first two matches on on Friday. Yeah, mm. you could it's, see them playing through. Is that and a case of them being dropped rather than split as well? It's a it's a it's a crazy. I mean, it's just a, it's an embarrassment of riches, really, if you just look look at it. But as they always say, this this match is not played on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you where do you squeeze Harris English in, for example? Where where do you squeeze Berger in mm. when you've got Morikawa as a rookie who's a two-time major champion and a WGC holder? Mm. Interesting. Who'd like to Who'd like to be a captain, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, it should be good. Looking looking forward to it very much. So, I genuinely think. That yeah, all all will be clearly become clearer when the uh, the Friday morning foursomes are announced, and then at least we know at that point there's sixteen players there of twenty four. We know that eight from a top point scorer market has pretty much been wiped out straight away. Mm. But yes, clearly you can't record a podcast on. Uh, Friday evening and expected to get to many listens. So yes, we're kind of that's where we're at. Yes, Did, I thought you'd be a lot more buoyant potentially, Barry, on like a Tony Fee now or a Shane Lowry in some market or t'other. Lowry, maybe Tony. I'm not so sure. Like he's been a bit uppy downy recently. Um, and look, Lowry could. Again, Larry could be one just a little bit like we we're saying on, I was saying on Viesberger that could just uh, get off to get off to a good start and Harrington just keeps him on there. Um, mm. Hey, listen, who, who knows? Let's find out. Um, I mean, I'm 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 not overly concerned with you know these are just fun bets, little side things. Yeah. I'm not trying to win. Yeah. You know, I'm not think banking on these winning money. No, it's, no, no. it's just it's just a little bit of a you know flavor to the side of yeah. the event. I just I can't wait to see. I can't wait for it to start. Uh, it's it's gonna it's it's gonna be fun. Whatever happens, whoever wins, it, it it can't not be fun. It's a Ryder Cup. Bring it on. I think I might just have a little tickle on Shane Lowry top combined point scorer twenty five to one. 
So DeChambeau and Lowry, just for a bit of interest. Because I can see Lowry potentially playing all five. Especially if this, you know, this potential group with McElroy happens. So yeah. I think those are the two I've chiselled it down to. I'm going completely contrarian on Deshambo, and I'm going Shane Lowry, twenty-five to one. I think that's us, then, chaps. Yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy, chaps. Best of luck. What have you got next yeah. week, Paul? The Dunhill links next week. And I have got the Sanderson Farms Championship. I can't wait. Cannot wait. Back to normality. Try and get you. Try and make sense of the Sanderson Farms winners. You try, try and make so, sense I'll, of the Alfred Dunhill. Call you a liar. <laughs> well, try to make sense of the European Tour. What price was? Um, was it Broberg at one? Yeah, yeah. Was he like five hundred to one? Uh, Two seventy-five, three hundred. That kind of number. And wow. won for six years. And, yeah. No. Good luck. And shown in. We'll tackle that next week. Well, thank you for your time, gents. I hope you enjoy the Ryder Cup. I hope that uh, your tentative bets go well. Yeah, best of luck. You too. Go Europe. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, go Europe. Let's... uh, It'd be interesting. If they do take the lead, and they are leading going into Saturday, uh, into Sunday, whether I've got the the cojones just to hang on. But then, (laughs) it's a small bet, so we're, we're mucking about. Brilliant. I hope uh, that uh, the listeners enjoy your Ryder Cup experience and we'll be back next week. Cheerio. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting